Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Andy's not here today, uh, so we got a special guest. We've got John Anderson, um, whom I have the pleasure of working with here at Canopy. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? You can do it better than me. All right. Well, the pleasure is all mine, but I get to work with Patrick, first of all. So yeah, I, I've been work, working with software teams for probably about eight years and have had an affinity to Agile. And Patrick is like, let's talk about what Agile is a little bit more and help people understand it. So I've worked as an Agile coach or a Scrum master or a project manager with software teams. <laughs> all these like vague All these names. names that don't really matter. <laughs> it's more about what you actually do. So hopefully we can talk about that more today. Yeah, we were chatting about uh, your current role here at Canopy. What's your current role here at Canopy? So my so, current uh, role is I'm our director of program management and agile delivery. Yeah. It's a really long role. That's a good. But basically I try to work with all the teams on both on what we're trying to deliver and organizing that work and then how we work together to deliver it. To get it delivered. We were talking about this the other day cuz uh, last week so me and Eddie talked last week on the podcast about agile and we're just dumb designers. We just like we know we know. You idiot. But uh just kidding. But we were talking about it earlier and you were talking about um like the misconceptions of agile i think all the i think designers have a lot of misconceptions that's like it's scrum or it's kanban or it's all the names right right but what what is what's the what's the goal what's the purpose you're kind of the agile expert so what's the purpose of all like why do we do it yeah so agile is more of like something you a way you want to work together than it is any framework, any specific framework. So I think lots of people, maybe their first time they've encountered Agile is with something like Scrum. You know, and Scrum has a specific um, roles, artifacts, and meetings that you do in order to operate and to develop software, right? And it is an Agile framework, but it's kind of like, think of it like maybe you have a bunch of toolboxes with different types of tools in it. And Scrum is one of those toolboxes with tools. But the act of you going and using those tools to build something, that's really what you're trying to accomplish. And that would be like the agile way of doing it. But it's like, I have these tools I could use, or maybe you could even create your own tools, right? And so agile is more about understanding the principles behind software development and how to do it well and coming up with practices that work best for your team. Yeah, so what are are the, we, we talked a little bit about like the, the Agile Manifesto, and we made fun of the image and all that stuff. As you should. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we kind of went over a couple of those. But, like, what what are the, beyond even those, like, I know there's, like, what's the core value of doing Agile? What's, like, the principles behind it? And, like, why? Like, you know, because we talked about, like, waterfall. There's always this waterfall in Agile. And so there's kind of, like, yeah, we, we kind of get that the purpose is, like, to deliver better quality product to our users our customers faster. But beyond that, like what are some of the other like tenants of Yeah, so agile? you just mentioned the Agile Manifesto website where they have the weird picture, right? Yeah. Anyone can go to that website and see here's the four values and the 12 principles that they came up with. That that's what agile development is, right? Um, I think one of the main things that companies that try to implement Agile or Scrum often miss is it's really a mindset shift. And it's a shift to working cross-functionally, where it's not about functional teams handing off work to one another. Mm -hmm. It's about 
working together cross-functionally to deliver value. So in like the Scrum, uh, there's something called the Scrum Guide. Anybody here could, anyone could go look up the Scrum the Guide. Scrum Guide? Scrum Guide. This is a good resource. So Scrum is, a, is an agile framework, but it's probably one of the most popular and used frameworks. So there's lots of parallels between Scrum and Agile, but they're not the same thing, right? It's kind of like Scrum the, falls under the umbrella of Agile. Yeah, it's like the tool you were talking about. Yeah, it's like one of the toolboxes, yeah. right? Anyway, in that Scrum guide, it says um, Scrum teams are self-organizing teams that choose how to best accomplish their work rather than being directed by others outside the team. And then it says that cross-functional teams have all the competencies needed to accomplish the work without depending on others not part of the team. So I think what sometimes huh. happen is companies will be like, oh, let's start doing Agile, let's do Scrum, but there's still a ton of handoffs. Yeah. And there's still not very much collaboration cross-functionally. And many times they don't even organize themselves into a cross-functional team. You know, you have companies like Spotify who give us really good content. You could look up the Spotify model, even though it's not really a model. Yeah. But you could look up their content. They have some videos that show, like, here's how our cross-functional teams work together. And it's really, really good stuff. And I think it kind of epitomizes the essence of what Agile is. So, I don't know, in the sense of, like, design, I think being Agile would mean that you're constantly collaborating with your cross-functional team. Mm -hmm. All the others that it's going to take to get this thing delivered to the customer, you're continually to collaborating with those people. Yeah. When you talk about self-organizing, this is a question we had last week. When you talk about self-organizing, it's not as, I think in a company that's kind of weird. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not really what it is. Like if you were starting your own startup, you would self-organize your team, right? Right. It's that same principle, but in a company, but it's not like, it's not like the teams that you're on here were self-organized, right? Right. So one thing I talk about a lot as an agile coach is like, how important autonomy is or self-organization of a team yeah. and autonomy are kind of similar. Like the team has, you know, they're able to decide what they work on and how they do it. But without alignment, like being aligned to the greater organization and what you're trying to achieve as a company, your autonomy is kind of doesn't bring much value. Yeah. So you have to be aligned with like what the organization is trying to achieve and that alignment should help to empower you and your team to have more autonomy or be able to self-organize. Yeah. But if you have people outside the team just telling you, here's exactly how to do it all and what to build and how to do it, then it, it takes away the creative nature of the team and the innovation that they can have yeah. by you know using their own minds of how they're going to do something. How they can figure it out. Right. There's, um, yeah, we talked about, oh, my audio's on, hold on. Um, we talked about too, like, we were talking the other day, I was like, the thing that I was trying to figure out was like, you have that spectrum, right? Of like, you, you, you truly self-organize your team. So it'd be like, if you just like, you could pick whatever engineers you want on your team to do this project, right? Like you, you'd organize based on who was really passionate about that thing. But like here we do here, here we have like the self-organized teams or the smaller scrum team. I shouldn't call them scrum teams. But yeah. The smaller product development, whatever, right? yeah, product development teams. Um, and we have all the key components. So we've got, you know, front end, back end, QA, design, product management. We've got all of those on each team and they own a particular piece of the application. Um, but within that, I, kind of what you're saying is like within that little squad that we have, you have the autonomy to manage like 
if it's the file system, right? That's what you own. That's what you manage, and you're you're like you have the autonomy underneath that, right? In that right in the like section. Yeah. So like at Canopy, for example, you know we're building one software platform. Yeah. But teams own different services or products, right? So end to end, they own that, but they still have to make sure that we're building a cohesive product, right? And all yeah. working together and collaborating to do it. So that's maybe the limit to the autonomy or the self-organizing of the team is it's around the boundary of we're all building one yeah. software together. Um, like Spotify uses the term, their squads are like mini startups or their agile teams are like a mini startup. And I, I, I both like that and feel kind of like, yeah, that's maybe going too far because <laughs> they're not like funded and they're not building a standalone product, mm-hmm. but they want them to have the mentality of like a mini startup. Like you take on ownership of this thing. And so that's one of the tenants of an agile team is to have ownership um, and autonomy. Yeah. But then that comes in the boundaries of like, what company are you in and what are you trying to achieve as a company and what are you building, right? Yeah. And well, you brought up too, you brought up collaboration. This is the part that I think I'm like always missing when it comes to like agile as I kind of default into like, yeah, it's like what methodology do you use? You know, like you just agile and you use Kanban or whatever. But like you brought up, you brought up a good point the other day that I always forget <laughs> is like the collaboration and the cross-functional aspect of it. Um, what kind of what kind of things have you seen here outside of here or examples of teams that are like high functioning or that that collaborate really well? Like what traits? Yeah, so I think about this a lot. So if I was talking to someone the other day. Um, online in this slack channel with all these agile folks across the world and they were from like holland and they were talking about how you know they they formed their team into a cross-functional team so basically they had like a designer and a product manager and developers and qa people and they all sat on a team but the people didn't really work together they still worked the old way where they just kind of hand things off between one another (laughs) and so it's like more about the collaboration or having yeah. a mindset shift of like, hey, we actually can't even create the product unless we all do our part. And I, I know that's something I try to think of a lot is like, when we talk about the product, we're really talking about anything from the U, the UI to like the database. Yeah. It's all part of what makes the product, right? And so with the collaboration, I think specifically for designers, is there'll always be like technical constraints that impact the design. Mm-hmm. So the longer you wait to interact with like your developers or those on the team who might be aware of those technical constraints, the more chance you have of kind of going down the wrong path or a path that's best for the user, but it might be really hard or not very feasible to implement. But it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to build. Right. Whereas (laughs) if you guys were collaborating, you might come up with a win-win where it like both meets the technical constraints and the best user experience, right? And so it's, it's more of getting their input all along the way. I love um, Jeff, this guy, Jeff Patton. He's kind of known in the industry. Also, Marty Kagan is kind of a famous product yeah. guy. They both talk about a concept called dual track development, where your agile team always has two tracks happening at any given time. And in parallel, there's a discovery track, which is more where designers live. Mm-hmm. And then there's a development track. But the whole team is involved in both. So like discovery is identifying like, what will this interface look like? What are the requirements? You know, like what does the user need? And you're just doing all that discovery work, but getting the the whole cross-functional team involved in that 
so that you're more using them to, I don't know, it's just like the more heads involved yeah. from the different perspective or lenses of the team, the better <clears throat> outcome you'll probably have. But then on the development side, they shouldn't also like they meaning like the developers shouldn't just go off in a cave and build the thing. They should be collaborating with product yeah. and design all along the way because they might surface things or have questions and, you know, make sure that they we, we get the right outcome that we're all trying to achieve. Yeah, because so, normally that would be like the handoff point. It'd be like you do you do the discovery phase with your PM and your design team or whatever. And then you like you like bundle up you'd zip it up into an email yeah <laughs> and then yeah like, exactly you like you like email it to the development team and you know somewhere else right and then they would do the development track but like what you're talking about is that one central team that one product development team does all of that and that requires collaboration right to do right. that so you have you have developers supporting the discovery and then you have you have like designers in our case like we we're always there to support the development team when things like, cause you brought up. Yeah. You know, even, even like joining the daily standup and yeah. like constantly being there with the team. Cause they're going to have questions along the way. Basically you can never have something to a point where it's like, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. It always evolves and changes. And that's part of being agile is constantly adapting. Yeah. Well, cause we want to get rid of the, like the design, the designers dilemma or problem has always been working the other way is like you spend so much time designing it and then you, you send the assets off right and then you either forget that it got built right like like, like <laughs> yeah. three months later six right. months later you're like oh I, I should go check out what the product looks like um and then when you do it's like totally different because of a lot of constraints right a lot of development constraints so working together in both of those tracks at the same time um i think that's a real big benefit for us is it allows us to support it like we had talked we kind of talked about this with andy a little bit but like i feel like it empowers designers more to be in an agile environment because we as designers have more say in what actually gets built than you do the other way because it's like you just kind of throw it over and then hope for the best right just like toss over the fence totally but you get to be there when they go oh well i can't like this is impossible i can't that interaction they designed or whatever i can't do that and instead of them just figuring it out with nobody else around you know they can you just turn around and you're like you know, the developer just turns around and be like, hey, I can't do that. Is it like, can we work on a different solution? Or I had right. this idea. Like, I, I love it when engineers like turn around and be like, hey, we couldn't do that thing. So what do you think of this? Like, I tried this. And then it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that totally solves the problem. But they were yeah. also a part of the discovery phase. So they understood the goal behind it, right? Correct. Where if that that's the thing where it goes both ways. If they aren't part of it, they might not have context. Like, what are we really yeah. trying to achieve? And they're just like blindly following a blueprint, so to say, right? Yeah. And so that doesn't help either because they're always going to come up with reasons why it might need to change a little bit because of technical constraints or whatever it may be. And so it's it's really a win-win if that collaboration is happening every day because first off, the designers can ensure their design is being implemented correctly. Yeah. You know, that's one benefit to the <laughs> which designer. Which is great for us. <laughs> which is great for you guys. It's like, hey, I'm here to make sure that this is actually going to turn out how we want it to. But then you'll also be there to hear from the developers, like, here's the technical constraints. Like you said, what if we try mm-hmm. this instead? And the more context they have of, like, what we're trying to achieve, the better I, that they'll be more likely to come up with a good idea. And I don't know, as you know, 
there's like an outcome you want from the design, but there might be many ways to do that design and you yeah. get that same outcome, right? Yep. And so it's okay to be willing to change something as long as it still fulfills the why behind what you're trying to achieve with it. Yeah. Have you had any, have you had any, uh, like when you've been implementing agile stuff or when you were working on things like with teams, has there been any like flat out like failures? Like you're like, here's, here's the agile principles. Here's the goals that we're trying to accomplish. Team goes off and like totally like doesn't, I mean, you kind of talked about yeah. like you saw it, these teams are still doing handoffs. It's that's why I've mostly talked here about like collaboration more than anything, like cross-functional collaboration, because that's where the failures are. You can go and start doing Scrum and follow that framework and still collaborate really poorly and end up with something that isn't what you really wanted. Yeah, you when totally, you totally Yeah, but fell. it's like, but I followed this Agile framework. It's like, yeah, but you didn't do the, the, the thing that really makes it powerful, <laughs> which is the collaboration and stuff. So that, I think that's where companies go wrong a lot with Agile is they just go and implement a framework more for a process reason. Like, yeah. let's follow this process because it's supposed to help us come up with great software. Yeah, the process. But then they forget about, like, we need to change our minds, our mindset and actually work as a team, you know? So, like, you could be sitting co-located with your team all in the same area, but still do this handoff way. Yeah. Right? You could still really suck at it. You could, yeah. <laughs> and you could still say, Hey, here's all this, like, re we refined and groomed our backlog with stuff, but you didn't involve the developers. And it's like, go yeah. build it. You know, and it, it's like, you could still be doing that if you're doing Scrum or any other Agile framework. We had, I had a designer, I was talking to a designer a while ago at a meetup about the co-located team concept and collaboration. And um, he, he kind of was just talking about, like, how, how do you, like, how do you do that with remote workers, like remote like, cause their team was, their designers are all over the place. And so like his question was like, it all, it, like we can't, like his, his assumption was that he couldn't, he couldn't implement agile because, because everybody wasn't located in the same area. But is that, is that true or is that? No, I mean, it, I would say, yeah, it makes it a little harder. Cause just naturally, if you're sitting right there by someone, you're going to more yeah. naturally like collaborate with them. But you have to do your best to simulate that co-location. So like where it becomes really hard is if you're working completely different time zones with like offshore teams oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because that makes collaboration really hard. You also want to have really tight feedback loops. So like let's say a QA person finds a bug and they just lean over to the developer like, hey, look at this bug I found. Let's, let's, let's solve it. Yeah. If you're in different time zones, it's like, yo, you wait a whole day. <laughs> and then if you have questions, that person might be asleep. So that's where the remote thing it's going to suck kind of no matter what. It's it kind of makes it harder to collaborate. Makes it harder. But not but necessarily impossible. There's lots of companies, software companies, that succeed with the remote teams. Um, Trello is one. They have tons of people working remote. They have fully remote teams. Um, GitLab. Actually, yeah, Trello put together this report. Something else people could go look up. It's like a guide to being successful with remote teams. And they use 10 different companies that do this well. Uh -huh. kind of gather the best practices but really they do their best to simulate co-location so it's like they still have tight feedback loops they still are collaborating all the time they're just doing it virtually yeah. over slack or whatever tool they use right so they still just apply those it's just the tools are different yep instead of chairs and you just roll around it's like <laughs> it's yeah. like you i gotta get you on slack or but yeah i can see the time the time thing that would that would be really difficult the time thing makes it hard but like if you're just a remote team where everyone works from home 
you can still do this. You just yeah. have to come up with, hey, how are we going to collaborate? How are we going to communicate daily? How are we going to make sure we're aligned as a team? How are we going to make sure we're on the same page about the design? And yeah. When it changes, how do we communicate, right? So it's all about that communication and collaboration. And then I think understanding the goal, like what are we trying to deliver? Yeah. I think that's, that's I like what you brought up with the mindset thing is agile is a mindset, not necessarily a process. Because I think everywhere I've worked at some point, like when you work startups, you're just kind of like doing it. You're just like, when when a startup first starts, it's like, just get shit done. Just like do it, get it done. I don't care at what cost. And then at some point you grow to a point where it's like, oh, well, we need some kind of thing to help us. Yeah. Right. And then it's like the process word gets brought up and then everybody like instantly hates their job. Yeah. But right. It's like if you treat it more as a mindset, then yeah, it doesn't, if the mindset's around collaboration and around like autonomy and around those things, right, then it doesn't really matter what the process is. Right. It's really easy to abuse agile frameworks like, oh, let's measure everyone's velocity and compare it across teams. And yeah. then that's how hard they're working is their velocity. And it's like, that's not even what it's for. It's <laughs> yeah. to like be more predictable and things. But yeah. anyway, like there's a tendency to like abuse these frameworks, especially by management. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when you're a really small startup, it's so easy to naturally be aligned and be on the same page yeah. and collaborate. But then when you get larger and larger, it's harder to do that naturally but you want to just try to simulate those small teams as best you can. Yeah, you just want to replicate that startup. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you want to try to like <laughs> minimize the dependencies on the team so they actually can work more autonomous, but then you want to maximize the communication you have across the teams. So one thing we've started doing here at Canopy is, you know, we have what like six squads right yeah. now. We do like a weekly kind of alignment meeting across the squads. It's like some places might call it like a scrum of scrums or there's different names. But it's really just, hey, do we have dependencies with each other? Are we all, are we all moving in the same direction? Let's all coordinate mm-hmm. across the teams. So there's well, little been... things you can do like that that still allow the team to like be more like a startup feel. Yeah. I do I do like that meeting. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't like that meeting initially, like years ago, year ago, you know, in the in the past. Um, but um, I do like it because we do have projects. And I think this this happens to everyone is you have you have your little your little product development teams and they're working on their things, but then like we're doing a UI redesign, or we're doing like that touches uh, everybody. Yeah, right? like you brought yeah. up like rich text editor, right? Yeah, it, it goes that goes across all the teams and it's it's broader, it's higher level, and so that UX like from my perspective that UX needs to be across the entire thing. So it's like you sort of have another self organizing team across all the other teams that are right. working with all the other teams. Yep. Yeah. And that's what that meeting I think is like super impactful for. And it's been really helpful for like the rest of us to see, Oh, they're working on this. And it's not even like the dependency thing is great too. Cause you know, what's coming up or you know what, um, what you might need to work on as that, like as this team, you might have to work on this thing for that other team to get it done. But also like, I think it's just, it's just good to know what's happening. Right. Like what's, it's what, an alignment what could affect thing. me? Yeah. It's an alignment thing. And it's yeah. like, we're all trying to build one software application here. So we need to coordinate, but we don't yeah. want to like have it be this thing that dictates what all the teams should be doing. That's what we're avoiding. It's just an alignment. Yeah. And you don't want to over process. No. Yeah. You want to have like enough, like you said, for the purpose. For well, the that reason. meeting has been getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. And so that's actually a really good sign showing hey, the collaboration is happening now and the mindset shift is changing. 
because mm-hmm. we're already handling it outside of having to have a meeting. Yeah. So to me, that's a really good indication of like, is this a successful thing? Is, yeah, people are actually working on it. Yeah, if it was getting longer and longer, it's because we have all these things we aren't talking about. Yeah. And it's like, oh, now's our time to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so, now we got to do it the next two and a half hours. Right. But yeah, the, the, those meetings have been a lot shorter. But yeah, that's true. I never even thought about that because like now they almost feel like a check-in. And not a discussion. Correct. Like we don't really discuss anything, really. No. It's more of like, hey, what? Are, it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a stand up now. Like it totally is. Whereas before, it was like, let's all learn why we're even doing this. Yeah. And try to figure out how we should change our mindset to be more collaborative across our teams. Yeah. Right. But those things are those things are facilitating already. Then when we come into that meeting, we just talk about them. Right. Status updates. What's going on. Yeah, I like that. And it's like more like the culture of it is how do we empower the the squads and the teams, the agile teams to feel empowered to deliver and remove yeah. roadblocks across the company and make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. Not let's all decide what everyone should work on yeah. and, and divvy out like who should do what. That's when I hated right? that meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. As you should. But sometimes you have to start with things like that. But you have to you have to know why you're doing it, mm-hmm. right? Well, if you're like it, it probably did require like in our case, um, it probably did require that level of discipline at the beginning to to establish a foundation of that, right? Yeah, and sometimes when teams are first doing agile, like um, we did have a really large team of accountants that we mm-hmm. worked with, and they have never done software development anyway, but yeah. they basically became developers because they yeah. were like building out. You know, all this engineers, logic, man. right? Yeah, that's what they were. And so it was really good to start, hey, let's learn Scrum. Let's just like learn a simple framework and do it. But as we're doing it, let's understand the why behind these things. Yeah. And then we can evolve it, right? Well, this so is one of those be, things you so have to like, do, right? Like you, you have to do it almost to understand it. Correct. A little bit. Yeah, it's like a learning process. So I don't want to say that the frameworks are bad or make it seem like that. But it's more about the principles behind why you do it that's important. Yeah. One one other question that I've, and I I think here at Canopy it's been it's been refreshing like the entire time I've been in Canopy is I've worked at other places that are agile but like the mothership has like that we do scrum here right like that's that's the agile methodology we do now here I know like that's not the way we do it and it, I think it goes back to the purpose of why we use agile is the self organization the autonomy is that all of our teams do it differently. And in fact, every release might even be different. Like they might do like a milestone based type thing for one project. And then another project might be a regular scrum thing or like what? um, Yeah. So I'll tell you something funny. Yeah. So one thing that we try to do here is an iteration or a sprint, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's basically a time period where you're trying to deliver some working software and you're trying to make it small and then yeah. iterate on whatever you're trying to, to release, right? So it might take one little iteration to release something. It could take many, whatever. So I was at this conference here in Utah a few months back, and it was an agile conference. And I presented this concept of like, so in um, many of the frameworks, they say have a cadenced sprint cycle where it's like every oh, two yeah. weeks or... The rule is kind of like have it be from one to four weeks, but it's always the same. Well, what I found in my career is like 
delivering value doesn't always perfectly equal two weeks. No, it never does. <laughs> yeah, and so teams often kind of end up doing the sprint, and then the, you get all these anti-patterns that come in where it's like, oh, we failed the sprint because we didn't finish everything, yeah. or I don't know. There's just some weirdness to trying to fit everything into that cadence. There's good things about the cadence, but there's some bad things. So one thing we've tried to do here, we call it milestone value-driven delivery with milestones, right? Yeah. So we call our sprints a milestone, and we look at it as a as a, a team, like how long do we think it'll take us to get this work done that equals delivering value, mm-hmm. or like getting to a meaningful milestone to what we're trying to deliver? And if it ends up being three weeks, then great. Our our iteration is now three weeks, and we're all rallying together as a team for that amount of time. Yeah. And if it ends up taking 17 days then great it takes 17 days but we're trying it's like let's focus more on value like the value we're trying to deliver than the time like how long our sprint is yeah i think that's been really awesome dude it's been really refreshing right yeah and from a design standpoint that goes that that sort of marries well into like um how design like how we how we think about design right like we we want to design the whole thing and then we want to like give it to somebody and then have it be built, right? Because we, we need to think about the entire thing, which we still do. That's one thing that I think people, that's, I think that's another misconception about Agile is that the designer can only think in two-week sprints, right? Yeah. Like, but we, like, we try to map out or flesh out like when we're doing a new project, for example, like the times that I felt like it's worked really well here is we'll go out and do a, a new thing like, I don't know, whatever the feature is, right? Right. We have this new big feature A. We go out, we do some research. We're in that discovery cycle, you know, and we're going through that research and we're bringing devs in and talking to devs and all that stuff. And everybody's kind of collaborating um, and trying to understand the why of what we're doing. And then we go and do like the user narrative, right? And when we do that narrative, the milestone kind of aspect works really well into that because it's like, oh, we could deliver value here on this like, these cards like these things of the user story and then these things of the user story um and then after we get done with that first like it it, it, like you can see the milestones right yeah and some of those milestones might be five weeks and some of them might be two weeks and some might be a week we try to keep them as small as we can yeah that's a good principle right but they don't have to be like you said they don't have to be like well two weeks we can get this and this this done instead of trying to fit the work into a time frame yeah you're trying to focus on the value you can deliver and make sure you've broken your work down small enough well yeah because you can go you for me it's like allowed us not to get in the trap of an mvp we have been in the trap of an mvp before but like that that weird old you're probably familiar with it where it's like mvp is like the cartoon that's horrible it's like the mvp is like a skateboard then a bike yeah then a whatever and it's like but that's the goal is not the goal is not something to ride usually you know (laughs) the goal is like our goal as a company is usually like we need to build something that allows somebody to commute from one city to the next well an mvp can't be a skateboard even though it has wheels and whatever right and so you you i think a lot of companies fall into a trap of like we just build this thing that has the attributes of what it is and i think sometimes those cadences sort of enforce that like we only have three weeks to build like we yes we do things in every three weeks and yeah. we have a release every three weeks like so we're gonna build a skateboard and then we're gonna try to build the bike but but for six weeks you're not adding any value right. but to your point like working software with value to the users well the the goal should be right so we might have to bite off a little bit more at the beginning like we might have to take four or five weeks or we might have to like 
You know what I mean? To actually deliver the value. Yep. And then, I don't know, that's been kind of refreshing. So it was cool because I brought up, I presented this at this conference and I wanted people to poke holes and say, what are the problems? So they yeah. asked things like, well, if your team does care about velocity and measuring it, how do you do it? And it's like, well, you just prorate it. Like yeah. measure it daily or weekly and then just prorate it, right? So if you're used to measuring two weeks and it was a three week one, well, just divide it by the number of days yeah. and times it by, right? Do so math. You, yeah, you just prorate your velocity <laughs> and it works out. And then, and then you can come up with like, oh, here's our, our weekly velocity. And that's yeah. more for the team anyway, it should be. Other questions that came up were like, well, what if you're in an environment where you have time-based, uh, like a seasonal environment? Yeah. It's like, well, we are in the tax space. We're in the worst seasonal, seasonal, yeah. Yeah, and so... Even if you're, the thing with software development is it's not predictive. So even mm -hmm. if you work somewhere, it's like by the six month date, we need to deliver this thing. Well, you have to adapt all along the way anyway, in order to achieve that goal. Yeah. And so just because we don't have this perfectly cadenced thing, doesn't mean that we aren't adapting all along the way to meet those seasonal milestones that we have to achieve yeah. or the, you know, so you really like can't can't say fixed scope fixed time here's what we're delivering in a year it's not it's impossible with software mm -hmm. so everyone should just stop trying to do that if you're trying to do that <laughs> you can't but you can adapt all along the way and make compromises and trade-offs and identify like what's our critical path and all these things if you have a really big long project yeah yeah but all these people were like by the end we're like oh man i'm super jealous of this my company <laughs> won't let us do this and it's like well, yeah. why like we just have to follow the cadence and we have to report our velocity, you know, yeah. and things like that. And it's like, that's not what agile was ever intended to be. Yeah. That, that goes against those principles of like people over documentation and all that stuff. Right. right. It's like, no, we, you have to be adaptable. And I think as a designer too, like that's, we have to understand that. I think it's really awesome. I think it's really refreshing to work because I worked in environments that were more waterfall and yeah, you, you do that, you do the deadline the deadline march right right and it's like that sucks because you just put it off <laughs> you just wait until the last week and then you're like oh crap i gotta do all my work <laughs> right. you know it's like being in school again but like with 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 agile you can still have the you can still have in your head as a designer you can still have like this is the goal that we're going for and we've defined it already we know what we want right and we're just gonna go we're just gonna we're gonna get there and it, what it looks like right now may be different but the goal never changes, right? The vision well, never changes. Totally. And the other thing is like, don't over design or over engineer things. Yeah. Like sometimes we'd have a tendency to make assumptions and add on additional functionality when it's like another thing about being agile is you want to release as small of things as possible and then get mm -hmm. actual feedback on the thing and yeah. learnings from it and Close metrics. That feedback loop. Yeah. And then do the next thing. So many companies also get stuck in the trap of like, we're trying to deliver all these things. So we deliver something and we're done. Yeah. Even though it was like just a minimal version. And so sometimes I feel like lots of people have PTSD with agile. It's yeah. like our scrum or whatever. <laughs> and so it's like, well, every time we just release the most minimal thing, we're never allowed to go back and improve it. Yeah. It's like, well, that you're missing the whole point. Then the whole point is to release small things, get feedback on those things that informs your next, next decision on mm -hmm. how to enhance it. And then at some point you'll reach that point in your value curve where it's like, it's not worth it doing anything more with this. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's, yeah, you hit it. Yeah. But that's another important part is like, and I think highly applicable to designers 
is you could design this big grand thing, but have you really validated that with the users? Like, do you really yeah. know that those are the things you need or could you release something more minimal, get feedback and that will help you determine like, how should we actually do this? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can only go, like I always, I always compare like user testing to like going to the driving range. Like if you want to get really good at golf, like you, you need to go practice, obviously. Like you need to go learn how to, to, to be a golfer. You need to go practice your swing. You need to go to the driving range. You need to figure out, oh, I hit my five iron this many yards, I right. hit whatever. So when, when you go out and play. But until you really go out and play and have that context, you don't really know. Like, and I, I would, like designers, you know, they want, they want um, designers at PMs. And I think developers too want to like release something and then have it just like smash, right? Just like it's going to get out there and it's going to blow people's pants off. Right. But the problem is like, we don't really know. Like, we've had this discussion before, like, in the past about, like, we can only do, like, 80% of it. Even if we did it perfect, we can only we only know about 80% of it. You're still taking a risk every time you release something. And I've had experiences where we, we, we only we tested it. We tested the hell out of it, right? And then um, we released it, and then we missed something that nobody saw on our team, right? And then all the engineers, like, gave me shit about missing it, right? You didn't <laughs> yeah, test it right. You right. didn't do whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I know, but we, like, we were all in on it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, no duh. Like, like we missed it. But you have to, like, you have to be able to, to be agile, right? And be like, okay, well, let's take care of it. Let's fix it. Let's well, move forward. Let's learn from. Let's not learn from our failures because it wasn't a failure, right? But learn from the learn from the output. Learn from what happened. So. We always say we win and lose as a team, right? Yeah. And so it's like if we are just handing stuff off and we aren't all taking some responsibility of the whole end-to-end what we're trying to deliver, the value we're trying to deliver, then it leads to like – it can lead to like us versus them type mentalities or blaming different functional groups, you know? So you actually shared an article with me a while back or it was a video – trying to remember his name but he talked yeah, yeah. about oh it's a uh, it was yeah, really good it. i loved it it, it was for designers the, but i loved it as like an agile coach yeah it was the it was the uh it was basically breaking down your your silos kind of like the, the idea I'll, I'll find it for the audience well, or whatever, well i'll but, let him I'll, what it, the main thing that i liked about it was he talked about how like 500 years ago everyone thought that earth was the center of the universe yeah and it was like just it's a natural human tendency to think that like you're at, you're at the center like meism yeah. i joked and i gave it a name of center of the universeism right yeah. just to be funny <laughs> but like i love that concept because that's what happens with functional teams it's like well i design all day or i do qa all day or i develop all day so you have kind of some blinders on just naturally where like that's what you gravitate to but if you don't like look up and see the big picture and realize oh my thing isn't the center of the universe Right. It's like yeah. we all need to work collaboratively to actually deliver something. It changes your mindset. Well, he, right? he kind of opened the talk up with too. like he's like, if you ask a salesperson um, to draw like a, a Venn diagram, right, of the departments in a company, sales would be the one that is in the middle of that exactly. Venn diagram. Right. If you go to. Yeah. If you go to QA, it would be QA is in the middle. If you right. go to design, it's definitely in the middle. Right. Because That's their lens and their context. Yeah. Right? But he drew it as like. Is like you, you orbit, like the product is in the middle and then we're all orbiting around that product, right? So the product is the center of that that Venn diagram and we are all on the outside. Right. And I, I like that mentality and I think that's what, um, that's kind of what you're saying is the mindset of, 
of being an agile company and running your team agile is understanding that and then understanding the only way for that to work the only way for that to work effectively is to make sure we're collaborating on all those things all the time right we have like constant tight feedback loops and yeah Yeah. otherwise you're just focused on your functional role and we have a tendency to do this even across departments Mm-hmm. So maybe in our product development teams, we're very collaborative and cross-functional, but we don't ever go talk to our customer-facing <laughs> yeah. teams and know exactly like what challenges they're having with yeah. the customers, right? And so it's like it spans across the organization a variety of different ways. Um, another term used a lot in the agile world is value streams. So it's like identify the value stream and create a process across your company. Like who all needs to be involved to actually oh, deliver okay. value for this specific thing? Like let's say customer support. You have a team that's interfacing with customers with problems and they're trying to give them support. Well, it, they might find that there's actually a bug in the software or you know, there's a variety of things they could find. And so in order for them to deliver that value for their role, it requires them to work with different people across yeah. the organization. So that's really the cross-functional team that's needed in order to deliver that value there, right? Yeah. And so changing the mindset from functional teams and like org chart hierarchy to like who needs to be involved to deliver value can is that's what truly transforms an organization to be yeah. agile. having those value streams that's cool that's good stuff man <laughs> this is fun um, i think we're yeah, yeah I think I we're, it. we've been we've been talking for a while too long probably too long people already too, turned us off a yeah, long time like, ago <laughs> <laughs> we hit about 25 minutes and then they're like your muppet voice sucks and then <laughs> yeah that's why i have that's why they're we have like, andy I, you lost me at John Anderson. <laughs> no, no. They're probably actually tuning in more. <laughs> cool. Hey, thanks, man, for coming on. Yeah, that was fun. What?